What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court for today, Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. I'm your host, Sean Murphy, alongside my guy, Jeff Iafredi. Jeff, how's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I missed you guys. Uh, I've got a lot to talk about today, previewing the Pistons, the future of the Pistons. Uh, I'm excited. Heck yeah, man. Glad to hear it. And also here with my guy, Troy Sergey. Troy, you got to learn how to use a computer, buddy. Why can't we get your microphone to work? Come on, man. Hey, man. At least we're here. We're talking basketball. We got a, we got a decent mic going. And I uh, went to a Piston, I'm sorry, Pacers game on Saturday. Got to yeah, see how was Kawhi. That? Kawhi, Paul George. Uh, Paul George dropped 45. Um, it was fun. Oh it was Tyree Halliburton. Balling out with the assists. Um, it was a great, great dub uh, to uh, go into the new year. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard actually was on the he, – he's, he's been like the boogeyman this year where yeah. he's, he's been here sometimes, other times just straight up isn't. It's been an absolute confusion. But, yeah, man, he was actually there. Did he, did he actually have a pretty decent game too? Kawhi, yeah. I think he had like 24 – and maybe seven assists, but Paul George was the one who had the best game. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Paul George popped off, but ultimately the Pacers were able to pull that one out. Yeah, they, been... didn't, they didn't need Paul George against us uh, down the stretch, but it's whatever. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah, yeah. No, they didn't. But hey, at least the Pacers took care of business, eh? But hey, this is from Afcor where each and every week we cover talk all things NBA basketball. If you like that, be sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel. Be sure that you share and comment down in the comment section down below. Also, be sure you share with your friends and be sure you, you follow us on social media so you can join the conversation as well. You can follow my guy Jeff at Jeff Iafrady. You can follow my boy Troy at TroySergi44 and you can follow myself at Sean Court. But guys, Let's get into it. There was a lot of NBA basketball that's happened over the last week. Since the last time we talked, there was a full, beautiful smorgasbord of basketball that's been played over the last week. And gentlemen, it is the new year. And I feel like the the thing that's been like the hardest thing to to nail down this NBA season is who's the MVP? Because like it's just been gargantuan performance after gargantuan performance. Like there was there was that game where Luka Doncic scored 60, 20, and 15. Nikola Jokic went off for like 45 and 12 on Christmas Day. Paul George just went off for 45 the other day. Jason Tatum's been putting up big numbers every night. I mean, guys, I like we're seeing. It, it almost feels like every time I go on Twitter, it's someone else in the league's dropping a 50 bomb. This season's been crazy. Yeah, it really has. And to start with Luka Doncic real quick, because um, when Niranjan was making the pre the preseason predictions, he was my MVP and I was worried for a second. And then he dropped 60, 20, and 10. <laughs> and now they're fourth in the West. And now I'm sitting there going, yeah, I'm, I'm going to – because I, I felt like Jason Tatum, at least from the beginning of the year till now, the first team in the East – He's played exceptionally. He's like top three in the NBA in scoring. But I don't know, man. Luca, the fact that he had 60 and then followed up with, I believe it was 40. Like, does he not? Is there, we use the term built different a lot. I think Luca is legitimately, he, he was made in a lab. Like, for how he looks, for him to, yeah. his, his career trajectory, I think, is something that people have talked about. 
but needs to be talked about more because I think when Luca's all said and done, I know it's very early, but he's going to be in that conversation for, for being a top 10, maybe even top five player. Like he is, he's exceptional. He really yeah. is. He's unbelievable. Yeah. I, he's one of my favorite players to watch right now. Currently. Anytime yeah. Luca's on, I'm watching. Most certainly. And, and, and I got to think too, man, it's interesting that with how amazing of a season that, that Luca's having, and with all of the storylines going on in Atlanta about how tumultuous of a season they've had, how Nate McMillan has reportedly considered resigning mid-season, you know, how all the all the drama that they're that's unfolding in Atlanta, you have to be thinking that now more than ever, they're just kicking themselves and must like be curling over at night, going, What in the hell did we trade away? on draft night, Troy, because they might, they genuinely might've let the next Larry bird walk out of their doors. Right. Absolutely. And he would talk about MVP. He's my MVP so far. I mean, we talked about a guy like Tatum a lot. Um, even a guy like LeBron James guys. I know the Lakers aren't, uh, you know, exactly the top of the West, but ass. You know, he, <laughs> he, he's had a great year. I know uh, year 20 now, but Luca has to be um, my MVP just because of the stat line that we've never really seen before. Like, especially that 60, 20, 10. I mean, we've, we've legit never seen that before. And yes, Jeff, I did think he followed up with about 40, but I think the next game, the third game after that, he followed up with 51 yeah. against the first. So yeah. Yeah, Greg Popovich, he said before the game, we're going to try to hold Luca under 50. And, and then they, they literally went and, and scored 51. You know, what, you know what's absurd? <laughs> we're seeing things out of Luca in five, the last five games. He's had 50 twice. Well, 60, 50, 30 twice, and then he had 50 again. Like he, I think he had over like two, three hundred points in like five games. I mean, this guy yeah. is not, and he's throwing in there. I think he's top four. What is he? Fourth in the league in assists. He's averaging nine assists. Like, the guy is a, your entire offense, but I know that's – we talk about how that you don't want that for some of your best players like Luca, but still, like, he's – I don't know, man. I'm not doubting him. So, like, yeah. I, I get if you get tired come postseason time, I still want Luca on my team. Anyway. Yeah. Well, and if and you break it, down the word most valuable player, I mean, he, he is, he is the valuable. most valuable player for his team. Yeah. And you throw him on any NBA team and they're different without him. So especially yeah. the man, obviously. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you just said it right there, Troy. I mean, that that leads right into my next point because the Dallas Mavericks roster outside of Luka Doncic and Christian Wood is just a ton of garbage. Like, like it is not a it is not a a complete compiled roster that is ready to compete or contend. But the reason why they are able to, you know, to compete and do what they're doing on a night to night basis is because of what Luke is doing. But at the same time, my, my hesitation and my question with it comes back to, isn't, is this just the extreme version of the James Harden Houston scenario where a guy is going out, putting out, putting up historic offensive numbers but the more they keep running this system, the more they keep like leaning into this feed Luca, feed Luca, feed Luca thing, the less likely they're going to be what they are to win a championship that they are to make it in the long haul. Because we saw with Houston, like, like with James Harden, he, he either just was worn out by the time the playoffs came around or he was having great performances, but it didn't matter because no one else on the team could. And again, for individual success, the way he's playing and like James Harden, James won an MVP and he, I think he was second in like two or three other MVP races 
for for this type of offense and what Luca's doing and how good he is at doing it, it's great for individual success. But to your point, Sean, and we talk about the Mavericks and how they can take the next step, you do need more talent. You can't have your entire team rely on Luca night in, night out, because everyone talks about the Grizzlies with Ja, but without Ja, what's the record? Like they're still winning basketball games. So the Mavericks without Luca, I can't imagine where they'd be. So again, it's not the way to sustain success. I mean, it's hard. But for individual success, for team success, it's not. But for individual success, man, he he's gonna get some. He's gonna get accolades for what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. Troy, what like what do you think? Do you think this is something that like that that um, that Dallas should be wary of going forward, or do you think they just need to keep leaning into it? Yeah, I, I think they definitely have to be weary because you can't put all those miles on them, just like you can't put all the miles on a car and expect it to be, you know, brand new, you know, with the way that you had it when you first got it. And and I think with the Mavs too, I mean, you mentioned, you know, outside of Christian Wood and Luka Doncic. Well, even I'm not sure if Christian Wood's the second best option on a championship team, you know. So even in that category, I'm not quite sure, you know, if they if he even has the surrounding pieces to to go to the Western conference finals again, because again, Jalen Brunson being his second man last year, you know, really pushed him over the hump, especially during that Phoenix series last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think you have to be weary. Um, I would love, love for them to make some type of blockbuster trade at the deadline. But again, what pieces do they really have to make that a reality? Um, But yes, at the end of the day, Sean, they have to be weary. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think in the regular season, I think they can definitely still see this type of success. And I think on a night to night basis, you know, like we've seen that individually guys can, you know, have these amazing, you know, regular season records or bring these teams to amazing regular season performances. But there's a difference between a great regular season team and a a great championship team, right? Like there's a difference between the Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern conference in the, in the two thousands, in the 2010s with Kyle Korver and Al Horford and and Josh Smith, like, like that, like that team can, can win 60 plus games in a regular season all they want. But there's a difference between a team like that. And then like a team like the Warriors or the Cleveland Cavaliers of that era that were able to consistently get to the finals that were consistently contending for championships. Like there has to be more than just, one star pouring in all these numbers. And, and, and again, like, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I personally don't want to lean on Christian Wood in a playoff series. Do you? Hell no. No. So no. that, that's where it gets weary. And like, if, and like, if the playoffs were to start today, <laughs> guess who the, guess who they'd play in the first round? The Clippers again. <laughs> See, it, they ain't getting over the Clippers, and if they're playing in a seven-game series this time, yeah. M- imagine what they. I mean, listen, it's you can't really stop Luca at all. But look at the problems that Kawhi and Paul would would bring for Luca, and he'd have to pass the ball constantly. Like who who's who's making shots consistently? Right. You have guys that are nice, like I like Hardaway uh, Junior. I like Spencer Dinwiddie, but those guys are role players. Like you're, you mm-hmm. don't have a legitimate number two on the Mavericks. Like even Christian Wood, I don't even. Uh, I don't want to be disrespectful. I mean, he, I would call him a role player, but maybe on a championship team, he's probably what a fourth option. I mean, he's not a yeah. third or second. He just isn't. So Mavericks in a tough spot. I mean, I think moving forward, you, you don't want it to end. And obviously right now he's projecting, he's going to be better than Dirk, obviously, but you don't want to end up with one championship with Luke. I think he's, he's so talented to where if you build a, 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 a really a, a championship contending team around him, man, Luca could get you a couple of those. He really can. 
Yeah, for sure. And and Jeff, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it for you, man. Christian Wood is not a starter on a championship team. He is a he is a sixth to seventh man. He's a guy that can come and give you buckets and spurts, but at the end of the day, he's not much of a defender. He's not much of a guy who's you know putting it you know putting it in on a night to night basis. There's a reason why Christian Wood hasn't really found his long term home, and like it, it it's it still doesn't even feel like Jason Kidd likes him. Which is yeah, they've been it, it, the relationship's been on the rocks all year, so that's not a good sign. It really is for the player. Yeah, one hundred. If you think of a playoff series, especially let's just say the Clippers, for instance, you know their game plan isn't really going to be talking much about Luca. As weird as that sounds, because all they have to do is contain those role players, because you're, you're not going to be able to stop Luca, like you said, Jeff. So. I just I just feel like a seven game series against a team like that or, you know, even a team like a Denver or a team like, of course, Golden State. Because it's different, too, because in the playoffs, the teams are game planning for you consistently. Like, it's not the regular season where it's you're playing Miami one night, Utah, Cleveland like you're it's you Uno versus Uno. It's your team versus their team. They're going to game plan. They're going to know how to stop at least slow down Luca. He might put up numbers. But to your point, Troy, they might say, you know what? Christian Wood, Dinwiddie, Hardaway, beat us. Or let's see what you guys can do because we're not letting Luca beat us. That's yeah. a problem. So Mavericks got to fix that. They do. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think ultimately they still, you know, I, I think they still are going to be in a good situation. And, like, I, I, listen, that Dallas team, you know, like like with Luca, as long as you have Luka Doncic in the long term, you know, you're going to be A-OK. And the fact that he's playing like this, if you're Mark Cuban – you got to feel pretty freaking optimistic, you know, about everything that he's doing. I mean, Luca's literally—you could make a genuine case of Luca's the best player in the world right, right. now. Big time. I mean, Giannis. No, I don't think anybody would dispute that. Yeah, I mean, Giannis individually, like I, I think he's he's still playing yep. like an he's absolute monster. And you know, like I think as far as like an individual threat goes, like Giannis is probably still the most unstoppable singular man. But like at the same time. If you're talking about like the wizardry in a basketball court, Luca's on a skilled. different level. Yeah, the most skilled. Yeah, and the, it, like if you brought up Luca, no, I don't think anybody would call you crazy or argue with you. I mean, I think personally, I, I still think it's Giannis. But like I said, if you say Luca, I'm like, all right, yeah, for sure, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, for sure, guys. What about the breakout star of this year? Like, what? Like, who do you think? Like in 2023, like we're gonna be looking at as like the breakout star this year. I personally feel like a guy that has strong contention, a guy who's really started to break that ground as, you know, as the year's gone on, you know, there's a couple guys that come to mind for me. I did a video on one of them earlier this week, Tyrese Halliburton. Another one for me, SGA, man. Shea Gilgis Alexander is special. Yeah. And he's doing it in the mid range. I know in an era where that's, it's not a favorable shot. Like that's what's special about Shea is he started off so great. And for me, I mean, watching, I'm like, well, this is eventually going to slow down. Like, he, he's not going to keep this. No, we're, we're you know, we're near almost halfway through the season. He's still playing well. So, again, Shea, even in the uh, without Chad and the opportunity he has in, in Oklahoma, he's taking advantage of it, man. He's balling. He really is. He's taking yeah. that next step in his career. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Troy, he's he's averaging like 30-plus points a game. Ridiculous. Big yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. He, he's going to be mine, too. Um, he has to be because I think um, just the fact that that Pacers team is winning kind of with him. And for me, you know, this roster 
isn't really wasn't really constructed at all to win. I, I would say we all said in uh, in this year going into this year they were going into a rebuild, um, and you know they were probably maybe one or one and a half years you know ahead of us. But also they're kind of putting out a roster that can compete, which is a different story. But I think with Reese, his ability to facilitate the ball but also score the ball at such a high efficient um, high efficiency. And, you know, his three-point shot percentage, I'm not sure exactly the number, but I know it's higher than most point guards. And uh, his his assist averages, I mean, he's been averaging a double-double the past at least five yeah. to ten games. So, for me, I think, you know, this is year three with him. Um, I just can't wait to see what year four or five holds. Um, oh, my gosh, man. Number. So. And yeah. you know, you know what's great about Tyrese too is that narrative for players coming out of college that spend an extra year or two at in college. I think people get, you know, oh well, I could take a player that's younger. With Tyrese, he came in very molded, and you see his game still developing. Like that's mm-hmm. the most impressive thing is like, hey, if he, the guy's got talent, he's got talent. And Tyrese Halliburton, man, he's a future All Star. He's he's balling. He's a walking double double. To your point, yeah, Troy. According according to clean the glass. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is shooting 41% from three, which is yeah. in the 83rd percentile. Right. Right. Again. Yeah. I mean, when the ball, he has such a weird stroke too, but when the when he ball yeah. loses his hands too. And I think the Pacers do a good job of um, creating those open shots for him. Um, uh, but he's been taking some deep threes too, and he's been making those too. So, you know, he's kind of uh, really his own different star in the making. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, the next few years. Yeah, man. But his, his passing is really oh, what makes it. I mean, the 10 plus assists. I mean, every single night. I mean, the passing. I mean, guys, Hal Burton is like, he is the epitome of what you want yeah. a, like what you want a modern point guard to be. Yep. Like, like if we talk about like why we're excited about Kate Cunningham, it's yeah. because he appears that he can be a upper, like an, like an, like an upper scaled version of what Tyrese is doing. Right. Like that's the thing that's exciting. And, you know, it's it's crazy because you like you look at that team like we were talking about like Troy going into this year, like how like that team was going to be, you know, like one of the bot like we were, you know, talking about them being a bottom three seed in, in the east, you know, like how they were going to be in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. Yeah, they have a better record than the Miami Heat. Yeah. They have a better record than the New York Knicks. They have a better record than the Atlanta Hawks. They have a better record than the Toronto Raptors. If you would have told me that yeah. was going to be the case going into this season, I would have thought you were bonkers. And it guys. has to do with the guy we just talked about. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But also on, on top of that though, like to their credit, like the thing that's incredibly like impressive. And like, again, I never thought I'd be talking this much about the Pacers this year, but here we are. Like, guys, it's not just the fact that they have Tyrese. It's Benedict Matherin. It's guys like Chris Duarte, Andrew Nimhard. Like, they just have guys all up and down their roster who play incredibly hard basketball, who can shoot the basketball, and then can play on both ends. They just have a fun team that plays hard. Yeah. Yeah, and they run up and down the court. I mean, Buddy Hill, what he had the quickest three, one of the quickest three pointers yeah. I think I've ever seen in, in, in my time watching basketball. Yeah. Like, they have guys that can run and gun, and you're basing your offense around Tyrese Halliburton, who's really, I mean, you talk about weaknesses. This guy's efficient in every area, like wh- wherever it is. And he, he, like I said before, and like Troy alluded to, he's walking defensively, double. but like and, if and he's trying, he has the capability to be good on that end. Right. And even defensively, like early on in his career, and I know he's still young and saying early on, but when he was first drafted, he was a great defender. So, you know, he's capable uh, for Tyrese. So again, you're, you're building your offense around a guy like that. He's dynamic. He's, he's fun to watch. And mm-hmm. uh, he's just super efficient. I think that's the number one thing when I think of Tyrese is his efficiency. It's unbelievable. 
Yeah. And his team loves him. They, uh, they loves love having him. They love there. his dad, too. You see his dad uh, coaching yeah. up Buddy, telling him, just shoot that thing, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shoot the ball. Well, and then you throw in the fact, too, that they have Rick Carlisle. You know, mm-hmm. like the fact that they have right. a guy who's one of the best coaches in the NBA. And even though, like, the Pacers, they were in that kind of, like, you know, that that limbo area that the Pistons were for a while, the fact that they were able to immediately get out of that limbo area and now have a franchise cornerstone piece hey. and they're winning. And like and Rick Carlisle was familiar with a, a tall point guard who can do multiple things and score the yeah, basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Luka Doncic. So there's that, mm-hmm. some of that experience he's comfortable with Tyrese and he's uh man, his development's been fun to watch Sacramento. I, I know they, it's funny because they trade him away and they draft yeah. Mitchell and Mitchell's like a role player. Hey, listen, he's nice, but gave away Tyrese. Well, they 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 trade they drafted Mitchell before they traded Halliburton, which makes things even crazy. I guess yeah, they decided yeah. their future guard would. would but be at the end of the day, they bonus. wanted to make their franchise around Fox. But I don't care what you say about Aaron Fox. Like Tyrese Halliburton's who I would want my franchise yeah. being. Oh, well, I'm like, yeah, like, that's the thing. Like Darren Fox has been able to like spread, like, I think both Fox and Halliburton have been able to spread their wings and have really been able to like take, you know, like take like next steps in their career. But like, with all due respect to Fox, like as good as Fox has looked, I think Tyrese, like I, I, I like as the title of the video I released earlier this week said, I think Tyrese Halliburton's a future MVP. Like yeah. I think in the next few, like I think in the next few years, we're going to be talking about Tyrese Halliburton being an MVP candidate. Yeah, with the numbers he's putting up, man, I'm telling you, walking double double, your team's winning games. Like he, whew, he's going to have a case, I think. If he keeps if he keeps up this play and keeps developing, and the right. efficiency, man, just sprinkle that on top. It's like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. And you know, it's and and I know people get all you know, like people get all contestant because it's like you know we drafted right before the Pacers, so it's like you know the Jay Nivey Benedict Matherin thing. People are going to be comparing them forever. People are going to be comparing, you know, like Pistons fans are going to be comparing Killian to Tyrese Halliburton forever. But I mean, listen, man, we have Killian playing as well as he is, and we have Cade Cunningham to go alongside that. I think the Pistons and Pacers are both incredibly happy with where they're at right now. Yeah. I don't think yeah. either of them would trade their situations personally. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, looking at, you know, like looking at teams, let's talk about who, like, w- like, l- let's talk about what teams 2023 would you want to have the least? Like going into this year, looking at the outlook of what their overall year and beyond has for them, right? What teams, w- what team would you want to be in the shoes of least? It's easy. We talked about it last week, the Washington Wizards. I mean, do you guys want to be Washington hey, Wizards right now? I'm going to say the Los Angeles Lakers, baby, because that, that situation, my goodness. Hey, Not- hey, I don't know, man. I got something to say about Minnesota because yeah. – <laughs> There you go. I like how we – All three of us have different answers, yeah. but all three of us are right, so – <laughs> I mean, guys, we we keep crapping on Rudy Gobert, and I don't want to just be crapping on this Rudy Gobert trade all the time. No, we're keep, at a point. We're at a we're at a point where Nas Reed's outplaying Rudy Gobert, like, and like we we flat out like there was a there was a quote last that was that was like, that was said by Nas Reed like uh like shared with the media that said we know what the problem is, we all know what it is, everyone knows knows what it is, but we're gonna keep that in house. So like, so like they're like, yep, 
we know what's going on. You know, we're not going to say it, but we know, guys. You know, if there's smoke with Rudy everywhere he goes, there's fire. I know. I know. And, as, and, and it's funny because he, he said the quote. I don't know what the exact quote was. I could misconstrue his words a little bit, but he said he's not worried about what the fans view his value as. I look to the players and coaches because they know my value. Well, apparently not even the players do. So I, right. Rudy was brought there to block shots, and they gave up like – I forget it was about a week ago they played a game. They gave up like a ton of points in the paint. I'm, I'm like, what is Rudy's job exactly? I, I'm he, confused. He's still – like if you were to look and in, in like, you know, if, if again, like – like if you were to look at like his his ability to deter shots at the rim, if you were to look at like like all like those statistics from like deterrence, field goal percentage, all those things, they would still say that like Rudy Gobert is still a really good defensive big. Which like of course he's going to still be a good defensive big, but if you're not dominant like he was, where he's like getting blocked shots, where he's affecting things in that way, like if you're not like if you're a rim protector that can't block shots. Like what's like he's literally averaging the least amount of blocks since his rookie year. Hey, and go keep going, Sean. And you're an offensive liability. Uh, you can't you can't guard very well against your smaller guards. I mean, it's just a lot of things wrong with Rudy. You watch him play basketball. He's not worth thirty plus million dollars. It ended up being about six or seven first round picks that they gave up when you when you throw in swaps. You know, like the the first round uh, pick that they made this year that they threw in the trade I, as well. Like. It is. Oh my gosh, man! Timberwolves can make an argument they'd rather have Walker Kessler as their uh, starting center, the first round pick who's in Utah playing pretty well. So you know, I I don't know. What do you want me to do? But let's let's put ourselves in the Timberwolves' shoes moving forward. Okay, we can't change the past. We can't change the signing. What can they do with Gobert? Like like well, that's, that's what scares me. They can't well, do that's anything. That's the problem because this is what I said. Like when the trade happened, if this doesn't go well, what's the only Thing they have to yeah. remedy this situation yeah it's carl anthony towns mm-hmm. and guess who's being thrown out in trade discussions right now carl anthony towns like <laughs> that didn't take long and the other thing too this uh this d'angelo russell guy remember when he was drafted number two overall remember when in brooklyn we looked at d'angelo russell as a, a stud remember when this guy was an all-star Angel Russell's a liability now. An actual liability. J-A-G. Just a guy. <laughs> Man. And That's they the can't that contract even if they wanted to. I know. And to think how well Wiggins is playing too, and that's the guy you dealt away for him. I mean... <sighs> oh, and like at the time, Wiggins looked like 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 a like that looked like a poison pill to have on your team. And now Andrew Wiggins just helped the Warriors win a championship. What does that what does that say a lot about organization? Oh, yeah. uh, I don't I don't I don't know there, Jeff. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, man. This is a I mean, yeah, their their situation is pretty dire. But to your point, Troy, the Washington Wizards, uh-huh. dear lord, they, they yeah. lost what 10, 11 straight games? They've completely fallen apart over the last month. And Porzingis doesn't look like the player we saw in New York or even some of the stents he had in Dallas. Like he's, he's like that, that player has died. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> oh <laughs> like, yeah. And, and to have him be your second piece on this team, 
And we know what Bra- we know. Bradley Beal doesn't want to get out of there for some apparent reason. Um, yeah, to me, it's a well, tough debate between them and the and the Timberwolves. And I guess you can throw the Lakers in there too. But I, I just I could not be them moving forward because you don't have you don't have a tank, a complete tanking roster, yep. and you certainly don't even have a play in roster. So you're hovering around this like 11th, 12th seed, and there's nothing you can do about it because it's your best roster that you're putting forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I mean, Jeff, to your point too, the Lakers is isn't exactly looking like a like a looking like a pretty situation. Listen, I I thought that they were gonna I thought that they were gonna be bad. You know, like I I was pretty transparent on that. I thought they were at the very least gonna still be able to get to the play in tournament. I thought they were at the very least gonna still like be like a little better. Than last year, like in some aspect, I thought like if Anthony Davis is on the court, like it couldn't inherently go lower. This team has three more wins than the San Antonio Spurs. And Rob Palenka failed to really realize a very simple, simple thing. And that's how to build a roster around LeBron. And it got him a championship. And you think that Rob Palenka would look at that mold and understand it and say, you know what? This is the route to go. No, 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 no. It actually made it worse. You actually have a roster currently with the Lakers that can't shoot. And, and with AD, who's never available, uh, you expected him to take that next step, be the be LeBron to pass the torch to AD. Hasn't happened. Now we don't and, even know when he's going to be back, by no, the way. Like his you, foot, like, like, no. a, like according to your reports, this doesn't sound like a thing where he'll just be back on the court in a couple weeks. Like no, this ain't. could be... This could be a surgery type thing. And on, on top of that, you have a, a man in Russell Westbrook who, again, love that he's embraced his role, but he's still he's taking up $40 million. So and, and that's not an asset you can move. So that's an asset that's going to just come off your books. And you have guys that are on one year contracts. So it's they're kind of in the stage of we have no draft capital. So we're trying to win now, but we have no uh, assets to win now. And LeBron is having to put up numbers, which again, impressive for LeBron. It makes me respect him even more. But at the same time, that's not you don't you don't want this to be the situation LeBron's in. So it's a disaster. And once LeBron retires and he hangs it off the sneakers, the Lakers are going to be an organization which we saw after Kobe or towards the end of Kobe, where they're just they stink mm-hmm. every year. And I think that's going to be a similar uh, scenario for the future. So hey, Rob Lincoln, round of applause. This shouldn't be how LeBron ends his oh. last couple of years. I mean, if you think about it, yeah, they, you know, they won in 2020 in the bubble, but they could have, well, they could have run it back first, but you know, they, they could have put even more winnable assets around him, not Russell Westbrook assets around him, you but, know, but it is also important to remember though, guys, that this is that this is the same LeBron James who went to Rob Palenka's office and said, get me Russ. This is the same Rob. This is the same LeBron who said, keep that same energy when all these veteran pieces are on the roster. Hey, this, this is the same LeBron who, you know, to his credit, he has been available and he has, you know, like when he's been healthy, he's looked really good this year, but at the same time, all he can do at press conferences nowadays is just send subliminal messages to Rob Palenka saying to give him a better roster. Well, the problem is, what guy is available out there that's flipping the fortunes of this franchise? Nothing. 
and again, it's an indict. Okay, it's it's an indictment on LeBron because we've known LeBron to do this his whole career is is try to influence and make trades. But at the same time, like he made for Kevin Love, and it works out sometimes. It, sometimes it doesn't work out. But the job for Rob Palenka is to look at LeBron and have the balls, but not only the balls, but the knowledge to to look at LeBron and say, "Hey, listen, this that's not the way that you've had success in your career to get a guy who can't shoot." I know the idea was to alleviate some of that pressure. You get a guy who can handle the ball. But there's no, everybody. I mean, even us as guys who love the NBA, we don't work in front offices. We didn't that, that fit. We could see it from a mile away. That was a, that was a disaster fit. So I, I don't know what goes through Rob Palenka's mind when LeBron approaches him. And again, shame on LeBron for even thinking of this idea. But Rob for allowing it, like allowing LeBron to dictate. I get I get it's LeBron, but at the same time, you got to as a general manager, you got to have the balls to look at a guy like LeBron or whoever it is and say, listen. I don't think that's the, the the way to go. I think we should get Buddy healed. I think we should get shooters around you. But what do I know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, more than more than anyone in the Los Angeles like <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, Shout out Rob Lincoln, man. He's got a fun yeah. job coming up. Yeah. But anyway, guys, I know we normally, you know, I normally I know we normally, you know, like end the show with NBA stuff and start with piss and stuff, but I wanted to kind of like do things a little bit differently today. Cause you know, I think we're at the point of the season with the Pistons where like, you know, I don't think it's a secret where the season's going. Right. I don't think it's a se secret where we're going to be ending up in the standings. I don't think, you know, like I, I think really the only things left to see from this season are, you know, like how do these guys continue to develop and get better down the stretch? You know, like guys like, you know, like what is Jaden Ivy and Jalen Duran continue to do with the opportunities and the touches that they're given, you know, like Isaiah Stewart to me, like, how does he continue to like take those next steps of being that leader of the franchise? Cause clearly when Cade's been out, he's clearly been the one to step in and be, you know, like be that leader of this team. Right. And I think, you know, like he, he I think he's clearly shown why he's a cornerstone piece of this franchise this season. Right. So how does he keep developing and, and improving on that? But I think also too, you know, it's, you know, it's the lottery pick that they have, you know, coming up at the end of the season, but it's as well, how does this team start positioning it itself into this upcoming season where they do want to turn the corner, right? Because I know I know this year hasn't gone the way any of us have expected. I know this year has been about learning to compete, you know, player development. It's been, you know, it's been laying, you know, laying concrete, as Dwayne Casey said before. Right. But as this has been built, it always has seemed to be positioned for next year for the 2023 year to be when the Pistons turn the corner and to start making some, making some different turns. So with that, Jeff, you and I kind of did a video going over our new year resolutions for the Pistons. I, I kind of want to expand that and have that, have a little bit more of that conversation here. And Troy, I want to start with you. What do you think should be, on the docket for the Detroit Pistons in the 2023 calendar year. Do you think this is the year where the Pistons start to turn the corner and to take those next steps? I really hope so. You know, it's hard to, you know, sit here another year, I guess a year four of the, 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 the re Detroit Weaver rebuild and saying, nope, not going to be the year, you know, we're going to get Cade Cunningham back in the fall. Uh, we're going to have another top board willing top three pick, uh, in the draft this year to go along with Ivy 
and you know Sadiq Bay and, and and of course Cade being the the ringleader and all that yeah and, and potential free agent uh this summer as well so you know when I look at what this roster looks like next year um I really think it's gonna look quite a bit different than you know January 2nd as we're recording right here right now um yeah I mean it has to be I just I just can't argue no with this because of knowing who we're going to not, not exactly who we're going to pick this summer, but the quality of talent that's going to be right. available. The quality of talent is going to be available in the draft, but also I really think Troy Weaver is going to land a, a good free agent that's going to make us go, wow. Or if not, somehow move some um, pieces around and get a player in a trade uh, via trade that we're like, wow, didn't see that one coming. So to know that there's a good chance of all of this going to happen and to know what we're going to be putting out uh, come October, 2023, uh, knowing that Cade Cunningham will be as healthy as healthy can be. Yeah, Sean, um, 2023, in my opinion, has to be the year where we see things turning around. Yeah. I mean, because Jeff, when you look at, when you look at rebuilds that, you know, like where, where you go, okay, what's going on here. And you start asking, like when you start scratching your head and asking questions, like again, people come to me all the time and, and go, all right, well, well, what would like, what are the things you want to be, you want to be seeing that are a problem? What are, you know, like, what are the red flag, red flags you want to be looking out for? And to that, I go to the Eric Gordon video. That was uh, that, that released over the weekend as, as a prime example, because oh, yeah. he, he was asked about, you know, the improvement uh, that's um, from when the season started. And I want to share Eric Gordon's response because this when we talk about things you don't want to see in a rebuilding team, this is what you want to see. Are you seeing the improvement that you thought you would see when the season started? There's no improvement. <laughs> There's no improvement. And he said it with no hesitation, nonchalant, you know, blank stare right in the face. This is a guy who's been in the organization for years. There's no improvement. Yeah. Nothing's happening. Yeah. He's clearly dejected. Yeah. Right. Whereas, whereas on the Pistons bench, even like, and, and mind you, this is a Houston Rockets team who has all of their young talent on the court. But the Pistons, Cade Cunningham, their franchise player, out for the season, they're still fighting like hell. Like, those are the things that you want to see, right? Some competitive losses, too. But also, yeah, some competitive losses, but also even the flashes of brilliance and the flashes of how these guys can be stars in the league, right? I mean, we've seen like what Jalen Duran can be, right? We've seen what Jaden Ivey can be. We're starting to see what Isaiah Stewart can be. Yeah. I mean, guys, really all it is is they just need some more talent they need, and they need some room to operate. And this is the year where they're getting both of that. Yeah. Yeah, and again, more than that, you're seeing guys that can fit and can play together. And that was always my big question with the Rockets and what they want moving forward. Because when we, when we made the video, I, the one thing I did mention, and I'll, I think most general managers look at their team like this. When you look at your roster, Troy Weaver's evaluating who's going to be here when we're contending, right? Who's the guys you're going to want to keep and what guys can play together? You know, how, how does the fit work? Right now, that's what they're doing. Like this is like pre-Cavalier, pre-Donovan Mitchell. They had Sexton, they had Garland, they get Evan Mobley, and they're kind of figuring out, okay, who 
who's the guys that get Jared Allen before that? Who, who's the the guys that we want here long term? Well, he figured it out. Obviously, they want a Garland, they traded away Sexton, they acquired uh, Donovan Mitchell. That's kind of the, the Pistons right now with their stage. You're, you're seeing how guys fit. Now you have Duran and, and Stewart in your front court. Is that something that you can see down the line being a real thing, which obviously with what you've seen, you, you could say it's encouraging. So that's kind of the process the Pistons are at right now. So to talk about next season, you're going to see a lot of player development, and that, that's kind of the, the thing we're going to keep harping on is the players improving because you really don't know what kind of steps these, these guys are going to take. And it's another thing that Troy hit on, which is getting a star, but not just in free agency because our general manager, Troy Weaver, has been excelling in trades. So you don't really know what's going to be, what star is going to ask out, uh, what, what star is going to be unhappy with their current team. And when that star that you see is a great fit with the Detroit Pistons it comes out and teams are inquiring about him man it's hard not to trust Troy in those situations given what he's done previously so the future is very bright and right now you're seeing young players but you're seeing young players that have a chance to play here long term and that's kind of what they're they're figuring out at the moment so I personally from a player development standpoint it's been positive and I know defensively they've been bad, but you can't say they aren't improving. Uh, so again, unlike Eric Gordon, who clearly needs a life preserver because he's over there drowning. I feel bad for my man, Eric Gordon um, with the Pistons. You don't hear a peep because they, they understand they, they like the direction they're moving. And that should be a encouraging sign um, for, for fans that, that a Rodney Magruder hasn't said, yeah, this team, I mean, we're going backwards. There hasn't been a single player. If anything, they've had Dwayne's back when, when players have been asked about it. So that's a positive thing in my eyes, Sean. Yeah. Especially improvement that we've seen from, um, you know, Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart on the offensive end. You know, that stuff to me shows that, you know, the coaching is certainly uh, invested in the players and the players are have bought into, uh, you know, the program that the coaches have established and the culture that is around them. So, right. Exactly. Because if there were going to be the days where there is going to be this function, where there is going to be disorder, where there is going to be questioning and there is going to be those types of things. It's right now, right? It's like it, it's in the midst of the dark days. It's in the midst of, of the days where you're saying, hey, man, like this is just rough, you know? And like it's 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 those types of days where you have to like push through and endure and you have to like really like, you know, you have to really trust in the process and lean into what you're doing for it to come out and, and be better on the other end. And I think that's what you've seen like this team like committing to doing. And I think, you know, obviously like, it is a thing of it's it's not only are like are they like should they be in a position to because of of like the the salary cap work that they've done for all of it to line up to now not only you know should it be because of the talent that they have that they have acquired but also i mean part of it is too guys part of it is it's time right like part of it is like the the patience of the restoration and like doing the work like they've done over the last few years, a lot of the patient, slow work that they've needed to do. But now they're going to have the options. Now they're going to have, you know, the wealth of, of, of options and free agency in, you know, in, in the trade market. But also, I mean, at the true peak of what this would be, they're going to have generational talent to choose from at almost any pick they're going to get at this upcoming draft. Whether it's Victor Wembanyama, Scoop Henderson, Amon Thompson, Brandon Millick, there are so many guys in this class that can come in and be good immediately. Mm -hmm. And if there's anyone I trust picking from that class, it's Troy Weaver. Yeah, yeah I've never been less stressed about the lottery odds. Uh, 
in my life. So again, that that's an encouraging thing. And, and Troy, I mentioned this too in the video that people when they, because, you know, I, and I'm not going to name names, but I've had conversations with different people and, and bringing up the draft is like, oh, well, you're bringing in another young player. What does that do? It sets back your rebuild, yada, yada, yada. But when you look at some of the rookies now being taken, you know, top three, top yeah, four, these guys, back. <laughs> these guys are ready to play. Like, right, you don't right. have to wait on some of these guys. So I, don't, I think people kind of get lost with that. I mean, yeah, some players do need developing, but you can get a, a Apollo Bencaro right. or so on and so forth. Guys, Luka Doncic now, it's, he's a rarity, but still it's possible. Like yeah. Scotty Barnes. Barnes. Scotty Barnes is a great one. Came in a pro already. Like that's, that's the things you can find in the draft. So to me, throw yeah. that in with free agency. Man, you're cooking with gas. Right. I don't think there's anyone in this draft that's a, a top three prospect that becomes a liability if you draft them. You know, yeah, there's no or way. slows down the rebuild. Sure, you know, sure. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm with you, Troy. I don't think so either. Right. I mean, obviously, the the one that would probably be the least seamless fit day one would be probably the Scoot Henderson selection, right? But even then, you're getting an like such an elite talent with you know with with franchise you know franchise guard type capabilities that like you take the talent and you figure it out later, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it may not be ideal to add another guard, but at the end of the day, if it's that kind of guard, you can't say no. Yeah, right. I mean, listen, it's just you know, I'm you know, I'm just you know, we're not at this pod just going to go and assume that we're going to get Victor Wembanyama because you know odds tell us we're more than likely not, right? So you're just looking at the landscape of what's out there because no matter what, they're going to be able to add a really good young player, and I think that's the ultimate thing is that I think the other piece of it is not just the fact that you know this is the year where they can turn the corner. But I think this is the year with the assets that they have becoming available with, you know, with the salary cap space that they have, I think. And with the fact that Troy Weaver has an, you know, has that extension, this is the time where he can start to show his hand. And this is the time where he can really start to be more aggressive and really lay his mark because he has this young roster that he's put together. He has this foundation he's laid. Well, now that you have the foundation laid, it's time to go build the freaking empire, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, having a young core like that, not only, you know, because again, people get really attached to players and, and certainly you see a lot of young players that you're watching them night in and night out. You're, you're encouraged for their future. I don't know. I think with this team currently, as much as, as exciting it is for how much talent they have, it's also exciting. And I don't know if player if people look at this in a bad way or a good way that some of these young players can be dealt. And I'm telling you, teams are going to be calling up Troy saying, hey, what's uh, what's City Bay's availability? Obviously with assets, but what about Killian Hayes? Like guys that, for Killian especially, you didn't think there was value before this season. He's really, you know, made, uh, turned his career around, you could argue, with what he's, the opportunity he's been given with Kate out. So a lot of assets. And Troy, whether you keep him or not, Troy's going to be able to maneuver, have that flexibility with with this young roster. So, hey, he's uh, he's the captain. He's driving the boat. Yeah, I mean, I think what you're really touching on there, Jeff, is he has options. Like, he has a a levity of options. And so, you know, even though, you know, again, like, you know, like this this year hasn't been, you know, everything that we've wanted it to be, even though, you know, like 2022, you know, like was, was a year of highs and lows, it was a year where they got better, man. It was a year where, you know, we, we added even more young talent to this, you know, to this young core and I truly believe 2023, you know, like the Pistons have already started to make some noise and to make some ripples and, and are turning heads in the NBA world. But now the opportunity to go get, you know, like your, your one last swing at the lottery in 
the highest value lottery that we've seen in the league in the past 20 years and all this young talent and salary cap space and the levity of talent that's going to be available in free agency in the trade markets. Like I'm telling you, man, it is going to be a good time to be a Detroit basketball fan, especially with Kay Cunningham coming back fully healthy, having a full summer to train and to be ready to go. I'm telling you, man, it's going to be a good year for basketball. I really think so. Not just, not just to, to be an NBA fan, but damn it to be a Pistons fan as well. It's going to be good. But Jeff, I want to come to you my, today, my friend. Last week, I believe, were we were we firing coaches last week? Trading players. We were trading players last week. That's right. What are we doing this week, Jeff? Oh, we're firing some sons of bitches. You know how we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we're firing some sons of bitches. I like it. So I'm gonna. I got two names for you, fellas. All right. All right. So, and you kind of already alluded to the first one earlier in the show, and I know the news has come out, but Nick Mc, Nate McMillan with the Atlanta with the Atlanta Hawks this year. And again, coach was brought in. He's an interim head coach. It seemed to be, at least I was excited. I like Nate McMillan. I love what he did in Indiana. I think he has a, a history of actually, you know, not only making the playoffs, but players like him. But not all players, though. Trey Young don't like him, apparently. And I don't know if Trey Young, I don't know if he's in that conversation now with Coach Killer, whatever it may be. But if you're the Atlanta Hawks GM and there's some, there's some turmoil going on, what are you doing with Nate McMillan? Are you firing him? Or you keeping them and letting them figure it out. Well, all right. So let let's start with this. Let's say Nate McMillan does does get let go. Is this the second or third coach that Trey Young's gotten fired now? Second. It'd be the second. Like at some point, when is it? When is it the players' problem? When is it the players' onus? Like everything that we've heard about the Nate McMillan situation in Atlanta was, you know, about how he had problems with Trey Young not being at at shoot-around and not being ready to go for, like, it's not like just shoot-around, like going to shoot-arounds, like just nothing. It's not like you're just going there to put up balls. Like, that's walk-through. Like, that's right. like, that, like, that's the equivalent of, like, an NFL walk-through. That's like, that's like film session. Like, there's a lot of things that could be done there, right? So, like, and in addition, when you look at the fact that, like, a lot of the problems with the Hawks this year I don't really feel like, or from a coaching standpoint, Trey Young shooting the worst he shot in his career. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, is Nate McMillan the one out there putting the ball in the net? <laughs> like he's putting the ball in his star's hands, and he's not producing. So I didn't like. I I maybe like I I I thought that the that the extension at the time was maybe a little too long, and I thought they were maybe a little overly confident in their Eastern Conference Finals run. So, like, I don't know if he was maybe, like, the solution that they thought he was in the first place, but he's by no means the problem in Atlanta. The problem's with their franchise player, because he's got to figure it out, man. He just does. Yeah, I'm there um, with you guys. And I think something that we also have to look at is, you know, that conference finals run back in the the 2021 uh, season, you know, Nate McMillan had a lot to do with that. Yeah, that was one of the most peak uh, Trey Young performances we've seen to this date. But, you know, I, I think with that team, especially even, the, you know, the way Clinton Capella was able to step out of his uh, 
his range there, um, you know, clashing the boards, but also scoring around the rim that that whole playoff. I, I just feel like he had a lot to do with that as far as X's and O's, really stopping down uh, Ben Simmons on a defensive end that that playoff series. I just I feel like he. Yeah, again, like Sean said, he's not the problem. He's actually something that the Hawks have have been able to have success with. Well, so yeah, I when he took over, that. when he right. took over that year was when their record flipped, was when their right. fortunes turned. So, right. like, you know, clearly it's not like clearly there's yeah. not a coaching issue here. Like, like right. there's when you look at the the wealth of talent that's on this team, mm-hmm. like they they have enough to be competing, right? And, right. and, and and if if there's clearly like continued problems with whoever the coach is in that seat with the franchise player, who's the commonality? Like at a certain point, the problems, the person, like the problems, the player, like we can blame the coach all we want, but at a certain point, man. And I'm still not there fully to try to trade young at this point. I, I would still say work it out. I'm not, no, I'm not saying trade Trey young. I'm not saying fire Trey. What I'm saying is he needs to grow up. Sure. Like, like yeah. that, like he's at the point in his career, like certain guys coming into the league and our franchise, like franchise talents, they're not franchise players yet. They're yep. not franchise people. Like Cade Cunningham was a guy that came in and was ready to, to bear the responsibilities of a franchise day one. Right. Like Trey young wants every, like, you know, he, he clearly wants, you know, like all the power and, 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 and all of the, you know, the touches and everything that comes with being the, the, the top player but it's clear that there's something there with not wanting the responsibility and not wanting the leadership and, you know, and not being willing to take a step back. And it, it like this, this DeJounte Murray, Trey young pairing in order for it to truly be what it needs to be requires sacrifice from Trey young. It almost feels like he has the ball in his hands more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and two things too, when you talk about franchise players, leadership, Big one, and I know Trey Young's been in a, a couple situations in his career. I mean, even this year, um, the reporter asking him, why weren't you on the bench? Uh, and he, Obviously, it's his right. He doesn't have to release that information. But it, something's off in Atlanta, and I don't really know where to point it. I, I wouldn't say it's Nate McMillan. I would more so say, I would agree with you guys, it's probably a more so Trey Young. Like, you're the franchise player. Uh, DeJounte Murray, he's a professional. I, I don't know what how much fault Trey Young has to do with this, but – Hey, two head coaches, Nate McMillan's made the playoffs in both his years. I ain't looking at Nate McMillan. I'm letting him figure it out. So, yeah, um, unless you're just bowing down to your franchise player, you want to make him happy, then you fire him. But I, I just I don't agree if, if that's the decision they go with. I mean, three coaches, you need consistency at some point. I mean, what, what are we doing here? I mean, when you're when you're when you're number one, you know, franchise player whose strength is perimeter shooting. When he's shooting in when when his three point percentage is in the nineteenth percentile, there's a problem. Like when like when he is shooting thirty one percent from three, that's wrong. That's a red flag on a lot of attempts. Exactly, and and like his usage rate, it went it went down from and this is this is according to Clean Glass, great service by the way. His usage rate for like with getting Dejounte Murray on the roster, it went down from thirty nine percent to 37.9%. So it didn't change. Is really is really yeah, it. so part of that you can say is on coaching too maybe you know like like you can maybe say like the system that they're running a lot of high pick and roll with Trey Young like maybe you can say some of that is coaching and they have to figure something out because part of what like because they've been clearly trying like they they've been saying we want to build 
Warriors East around Trey Young. Like that's what they want to do, right? Is have like a Warriors esque roster. Well, part of what makes the Warriors great is Trey is, is Steph Curry's off ball movement. Is 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 you know schematically everything that they're doing, right? I don't really know like what they do that's like setting them apart. You know what I'm saying? Like they mm-hmm. they clearly have the talent. Like again, they have everything they need in house to 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 be a top team in the Eastern Conference. They just, it's just it's it's and again, I think you can even point a little bit of the finger at you know the Atlanta Hawks GM as well for just construction. Well, yeah, that's why that's yeah, and that's the weird thing. That's why they had that weird like transition, like mm-hmm. like a couple weeks ago when they like when their like their president was like weirdly demoted. Like something's going on, man. Yeah, man. Well, it's, uh, it, yeah, it ain't Nick McMillan. So you can maybe throw that name in uh, franchises you would least want to be going into the 2023 year. Well, yeah, because again, when you talk about like when you talk like when I like when I said earlier like. The Hawks, like, like when when you have a guy like is who's having contention within the franchise, when you don't really feel comfortable about like when there's reports coming out like saying that rival executives believe that Trey Young's gonna want out, like now there's chatter about this guy not really wanting to be here long term. Yeah, it's it's never like, a good thing. Like you gotta be, you just again, I as I said earlier, you just gotta be curling over, sick to your stomach that you traded that you traded Luka Doncic for this guy, which is crazy to say because Trey Young's an incredible player. Yeah, right. But again, he he's just entering the first year of his rookie Supermax, and this is what you're putting up? <laughs> I don't know, man. And hey, hey another another talk about futures with certain franchises. I think one of those you could say is the Knicks. I think nobody wants to be the Knicks probably ever. Um, but this <laughs> season specifically Tom Thibodeau, all right. I, I believe the record's twenty and seventeen, in, in or twenty and eighteen, excuse me. And Thibodeau, I never, I'm never a huge fan of Thibodeau. Even his days back with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and they got Jimmy and and so on and so forth. It was just, I'm not a big Thibodeau guy, but you know he coaches hard. You know, defensively, he's a mastermind. But looking at the future for the Knicks, is that is that your franchise coach, or are you looking to make a move because they they have a roster that's awkwardly constructed, but. To be twenty and eighteen, he's never really been as impressive as advertised. What do you what do you think about Tom Thibodeau? I feel like he's overachieving. Like like if anything, like if you look like like given the circumstances, like like first of all, like the fact that they they gave that commitment to R.J. Barrett and he hasn't looked like that guy. You know, you have a guy like you know you have a guy like Jalen Brunson who's come in and, and he's played mm-hmm. as great as he's been. You got Julius Randle to start playing some defense again. At a certain point, like yeah, they just. You know, yeah, they just went on like a like they just you know they just had like a five game losing streak, but that was after a like near like ten game winning streak. Like, yeah, like they, they did fall themselves out of a hole. Yeah, like I like in my opinion, like it, it just seems to me like the Knicks are still just kind of looming and waiting for when that star is going to be available to trade for. But like in the interim, like I, I don't know if I can say that like it, it's kind of a similar thing. With 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 the Hawks, where it's like I to to your point, I don't know if 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 Tibbs is the long term coach, you know, for the Knicks, but I would say that that Tibbs has the Knicks at the at like functioning at their highest level that they have in a while. Like this is the this is like the the most like organized they've looked in in like ten years. Like even though they're still directionless and just kind of like. Well, like we're just here and like we just put a roster out just because you know what I mean? Like 
it's kind of weird that they're in the best spot they've been in in a while at the same time. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah they're 20 and 18. Yeah, it's not really glamorous. Like, yeah, you kind of wonder, like, what are they doing in the long term? But like, for what they were expected to be this year, they're overachieving, which is kind of weird to say. So like, I don't really know, man. Like, to your point, I'm not in love with their situation, but like, I don't really know if I'm looking at the, I'm not looking at the coach first. Troy, Troy, am I wrong? Yeah, no, I don't think you're you're wrong. They certainly are overachieving. And then I'm looking more on the GM side of things. Leon Rose. Yeah. Oh, he's another one. Fire first before I go to, to Thibodeau's job. He was brought to, yeah, he was brought to New York to, to bring stars. And that has not happened. Hey, Jalen Brunson. And, you, you know, we, we talked a lot. This is actually before the podcast, but like Sean and I, we talked about, you know, in college how, you know, both New York teams, Knicks and Nets, were very much shopping KD when he left uh, mm-hmm. Warriors and he went to the other New York team, right? I mean, that just says everything about their luck with landing free agents. And, and I think they've had the perspective of, oh, we're New York. We're the Big Apple. Stars are going to come here. But that's not really how this league works. Yeah. Not. Um, you know, players, star players want to win. Star players want a culture that has a winning established culture already. So, you know, and, you know, as much as Brunson has been playing excellent and as much as Brunson, you know, is a player, like we talked about with, you know, his potential of going to the Pistons this summer, like they overpaid him. They did. I mean, they did, but like he, I mean, to his credit though, like, I mean, like he's been one of their best players this year. Like he's, like, yeah. it, like you, he, they've gotten what they've paid for so far. Like, even though, like, we would have probably said that this summer. We would, we would have said that Brunson would probably be their their number one or number two option. Right, right. Yeah. But again, like, yeah. like again. But that's just the problem, though. Is if he is your number one or number two option, well, like, again, that, that's yes. it's the right. ceiling. Like, right. like, yeah, right. you're right. But like, that comes back to Leon Rose, where you know, like Donovan Mitchell, like they almost like supposedly that almost was done. But even like, let's say that deal happened. What would they have had left to 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 be competitive this year? Mm-hmm. Like, what would they have had as far as depth goes? If they had to trade a guy like Mitchell Robinson in that trade, if they had to give up like all the you know like Obi Toppin and like all these guys, like R.J. Barrett to like to make this deal happen and to like you know and to get a star in your building, like, are you even like doing something that's worth like? Are you even gonna have a team to make that trade worthwhile at the mm-hmm. end of it? Isn't that just gonna be the Carmelo situation all over again? To where you go to get the star and then you forget about the fact that you need other guys than a star too. Yeah. 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 Real possible. Hey, at least they're yeah. at least they're doing so at least they would do something at that at point. the end of the day. GM, I'm calling the hot seat versus coach. Oh, yeah. Leon Rose is definitely yeah. yeah, Leon Rose is definitely more suspect than Tom T- I mean, listen, man. Tibbs is he's he's the anomaly. He's the guy that you always are kind of like like is he good because like sometimes he's great sometimes he leaves you scratching your head but you know at the end of the day like Tibbs is probably doing as good as I could be expecting him to do in that Knicks situation right yeah now. it's it's and that, I think that kind of perfectly sums up the Knicks franchise is what are their expectations Tob Thibodeau is perfect enough to meet those so I mean they're they're right. one of the few teams in the league that are top 10 both on offense and defense so like that's, that's something, you there know, you go. They've, I wonder if they got banners for that. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that, and that's going to have to be because they're not getting banners <laughs> for anything else. <laughs> oh, those are your two, uh, your two coaches today. I like it. We only like fired it. one of them. Or actually, no, none of them. So this is interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, don't you worry. There's going to be a levity of guys to be fired out there. I, <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling. I have a feeling. Uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that that Steve Clifford isn't exactly the most oh, stable yeah. job yeah. in the league right now. Yeah, we, yeah, we we've, we've talked about the Lakers a lot, but we haven't talked a ton about Darvin Ham. Another mean, pod. Another pod. Yeah. Darvin, but like again though, like if like you you bring Darvin Ham to like you know like come and like change that mentality and like at the beginning of the year like he did have him defending and playing hard. It's just yeah. It's like what do you what, what kind of ingredients are you giving the cook here? You know what yeah. I mean? Like what do, you're giving him? You know, it, it, it's it's a bad situation for Darvin Ham, but still, I mean, you don't have AD of thirty nine year old LeBron. It's it's a tough one for him, but. Yeah. yeah, I can't. It's hard to evaluate Darvin Ham with the roster he currently has. Like, it's kind of you know, right? Yeah, have well, talking about, is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Yeah, so. no, yeah. we're good. Rob Palenka, clearly, that's that's the problem. Yeah, for sure, that's the but, problem. But guys, you know what time it is? It is time to take a venture down to from Mount Rushmore. Troy, what do you got for us this week? Well, last week we did most overrated players of all time, uh, Mount Rushmore. So I think this week is the obvious most underrated players of all time on the Mount 